Welcome to the Thrive City Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Ben, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to check us out. At Thrive City Church, we want you to experience a thriving life with Jesus. Wherever you are listening from, we hope that you find this message hopeful and encouraging. Hey, Thrive City family. My name is Pastor Ben. I'm so glad that you have decided to spend some time with us today. If you are new around here, Thrive City is passionate about helping others experience a thriving life with Jesus. We want this to be a church where you can find your people, your place, and your purpose. So no matter what you are going through right now, you need to know that you are loved, that we believe in you, we are here for you, and we want to see the best for your life. Well, today we are launching into a brand new collection of talks called Dry Places. Now, don't be confused. This is not an environmental or a weather study on arid climates. But this is a new collection of talks that addresses an issue that all of us struggle with. Everyone has times in their lives when they feel like God is distant. But the truth is that God uses these seasons in our life to mold us into the type of people that he has called us to be. Over the next few weeks, we are going to examine how God uses this wilderness or or this dry place in the story of the Israelites to prepare them for the promised land. And ultimately how God can do the same thing in our lives. Let me pray as we begin our time together this morning. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you for your provision. God, that no matter where we find ourselves in life, we know that you will always come through. You will provide that you are more than enough. We ask that you would increase our understanding of who you are. Grow our faith in spite of our failures. Jesus, we rely on you. Jesus, we rest in you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. This morning, we are going to enter into the story of the Israelites as they leave the land of Egypt. This might be a familiar story to some of you, but in order to build a better understanding of the surrounding context and to really gain a grasp of what is happening, we need to go back a couple hundred years. You see, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we read about the lives of several notable people. Right, Just the other week, we talked about Adam and Eve, and you might know the story of Noah, or maybe you've heard of a guy named Abraham. Now get ready, we're about to go all 23 and me on the Bible here. You might remember that Abraham had a son named Isaac, and then Isaac had a son named Jacob. Not to be outdone, Jacob had 12 sons, one whose name was Joseph. The story of Joseph is incredible, but I only have time to give you the the Netflix summary or the movie trailer preview of the story. Let's see if I can do some creative editing to help out. 
In this twisted tale of betrayal and family drama, Joseph. It, okay, no, I can't. I I can't do that. Uh, in this twisted tale of betrayal and family drama, Joseph, his father's favorite son, is sold into slavery by his own brothers and brought into the land of Egypt. By the provision of God, Joseph rises from slave to second in command, only to Pharaoh himself. Just in time for a great famine to sweep through the land. Now, what will Joseph do when his family comes to Egypt for help, only to find their long-lost brother now in control of their fate? Well, spoiler, if you, if you haven't read the story, he forgives them. But not only that, Joseph continues to provide for his family throughout the famine, and he even gives them new land to resettle into. There's a key piece of information that I intentionally left out of this story. Remember Joseph's father, Jacob? Well, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And as Joseph's brothers settled into this new land around Egypt, their families grew and they turned into different tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. You see how this is all starting to come together? The people of Israel continued to prosper in the land of Egypt for generations until they became so numerous that they were seen as a national threat and a threat to the power of the Pharaoh. So as a result, the people of Israel were forced into slavery and they remained captive in the land of Egypt for over 400 years until a man named Moses came along. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but God used Moses to rally the people and ultimately lead them out of Egypt after catastrophic plagues swept through the land. The story that started with Joseph being sold into slavery now finds itself with millions of his descendants leaving the land of Egypt, only to find themselves trapped between the Red Sea and the approaching army of Egypt. You see, the people had been released from Egypt, but all of a sudden the Pharaoh changed his mind and decided to pursue them. In a miraculous display of deliverance, God commanded Moses to strike the water with his staff, leading the waters to part and allowing the nation of Israel to pass through on dry ground before the waters came crashing down on the approaching army. Now, Israel is finally free, standing on firm, dry ground. Things can only get better from here, right? Well, while Israel just experienced undeniable deliverance, seeing with their own eyes the greatness of God, they now found themselves in a dry place, in a desert, quite, quite literally a dry place. So this morning, I want to talk about how so often we find ourselves in a similar situation where we have experienced for ourselves the greatness of God, the deliverance of God, only to find our gratitude quickly slipping into grumbling. Let's begin to work through this passage together. We are in the book of Exodus, beginning in chapter 15, 
In verse 22, we're going to read 22 through 27 and then pause for a moment. Exodus 15 verse 22 says this, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Actually, you know what? Let's read. uh, Let's go into chapter 6. Let's read verses 1 through 3. And they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Let's pause here for just a second. It can be really easy for us to read stories about people in scripture and to think what in the world is wrong with them, right? I certainly never would react like that, especially if I had witnessed with my own eyes something so miraculous as the Red Sea parting and me actually walking through on dry ground. How could they so quickly forget the things that God has done? The reality is that we are no different than them. Even when we have experienced great moves of God in our own lives, our attitudes can quickly change when we experience a dry place or when life gets difficult and God feels distant. I've experienced this in my own life. Around 2008 or 2009, I felt like God wanted me to go back to school. More specifically, uh, go back to Bible college. And at that time, life was all right. It was pretty uneventful. But I felt God calling me into ministry. Applying to college was, for me, a a really big sleep of faith. Because I didn't have everything all planned out. All I felt was that God was leading me in this direction. And as I've talked about before, the the season of my life that followed was one of the most hectic and busiest and exhausting seasons of my life. And while I was incredibly grateful for where God was leading me, there were times 
in which I began to question. And there are times when my gratitude quickly turned into grumbling. There were several several times where where I, I cried out to God and I thought, what have you gotten me into? Life was way easier before all of this. This time in my life is when I came to find out that captivity can be comfortable. Captivity can be comfortable. For the Israelites, they lived in captivity in Egypt, toiling day after day as slaves. But at least they had food, right? At at least they knew what tomorrow would bring. Even if it was a a bleak future, they knew what was going to happen. Now, in the desert, being delivered by God, they finally had the freedom that they had longed for. But for them, it wasn't enough. And all they could do was think about the things that they no longer had. So for me, life was all right. You know, things were okay before I chose to follow God and and follow where he was leading me. I was in a place where I longed to be used by God and I felt like there was so much more to life, but I I also kind of felt captive, captive to my past and my own limitations and mistakes. It took finally breaking free of that captivity to realize that I was a little more comfortable than I thought. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. Maybe you have entered into a really difficult season of life that has you feeling disoriented and discontent. And maybe you're in this dry place where it feels like God is distant and all you can think about is how much easier life used to be. Where you used to be grateful and now you're frustrated and feeling burnt out and filled with grumbling. At least back then, Before all this, things were simple. And like the Israelites said, man, at least we could have died with a full stomach. So what do we do? What do we do? How are we supposed to react? How are we supposed to handle these times in life where it feels like we're stuck in a dry place and we long for the days of the past where maybe we weren't working towards the the purpose that God has for us, but at least we were comfortable. Well, let's go back to the text. Let's go back and examine the story of the Israelites to see what happens and to see what we can learn from them. So we're going to jump back into uh, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through verse 12. Let's read this again. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day 
that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, at evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against God. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, as I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel, say to them, at twilight, you shall eat meat. And in the morning, you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. Again, In this passage, we see the nation of Israel only about two and a half months into their journey beginning to turn against their leaders. I can kind of imagine this happening and and seeing this grumbling beginning to start as whispers or rumors and gossip only getting louder and louder until the people begin to be more and more vocal about their discontentment. Before you know it, Their grumbling and their complaining were so loud, they began to drown out what God was trying to say to them. Remember back in chapter 15, in verse 26, God had responded to their growing dissent, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes... I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. So I want you to ask yourself this. Do you find yourself wanting to be led by God, but being unwilling to listen? Do you find yourself wanting to be led by God, but you're also unwilling to listen to what he has to say? The nation of Israel had been miraculously delivered from Egypt only to stall out in the desert as they refused to listen to God. They allowed the present pain of their hunger to blind them from the beauty of the promised land where God was leading them. Now, how often do we do the exact same thing in our lives? See, we long to be used by God and to follow his leading in our lives and then only to block him out the minute that the going gets tough, when things get difficult. So remember this, if you want to be led by God, you need to be willing to listen to God. Even in the dry places, those dry seasons of life when things get difficult and God feels distant, he is at work. He will provide. We cannot let the pain of the present distract us from the purpose and the promises that God has for us. So keep listening 
Keep listening for the voice of God and take it a step further. Not just listen, but but do, obey, and keep in step with God. I want you to notice something else that happens in in chapter 16 in verse 2, where scripture says, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. You see, when the going got rough, the people looked to their leadership. They didn't look out of loyalty. They looked with this look in the sense of betrayal. How could you have done this to us? How could you have led us here into the middle of the desert to die? This is all your fault. I knew I shouldn't have trusted you. Second thing I want you to remember this morning is that complaining is oftentimes just blaming. Complaining is oftentimes just blaming. In their discomfort, the Israelites began to complain and to blame everybody else for their hunger and their thirst. Even though God told them that he would provide, they lost their cool at their leadership because that was easier than recognizing their personal responsibility to continue listening and obeying to God. Please hear me correctly. Hear my heart and what I'm trying to say. There is a time and a place to speak out against poor leadership. I absolutely believe that. And this is not me saying that you cannot question the things that I say as the lead pastor of Thrive City Church. All I am saying is that there is a tendency for Christians to complain about church when they feel uncomfortable or they feel distant from God in their own lives. Those personal issues begin to spill over, and it turns into complaining, which is really just blaming other people for issues that are out of their control. So in other words, don't blame leadership for your unwillingness to listen to God. I know that sounds a little blunt, but I'm only mentioning it because I have made the same mistake time and time again in my own life where I have complained and blamed leaders in my own life for issues that were far beyond their control. If you have a legitimate concern, you should always speak up, but guard yourself against complaining and blaming for others, for things that fall within your realm of personal responsibility. Moses and Aaron were just doing their best to obey God and to lead the people of Israel. And it was the people's responsibility to faithfully follow, remembering the promises that God had made them. As we close, this is the final thing that I want you to remember. Reaching your purpose may be painful, but God always provides. As the people of Israel struggled with their hunger and their thirst, God heard their grumbling and said, you know what? I have an idea. Let's try this out. To teach them, 
to rely on me, I will provide them food in the morning and in the evening, but only enough for one day at a time, except before the Sabbath, I'll provide two days. As scripture tells us, in the morning, there was this flaky covering, this, this coating on the ground like dew that could be collected and eaten. It was sweet and it was nutritious, but it was unable to be stockpiled. In the evening, there were birds that would come into the camp that could be hunted and eaten from meat. It's interesting to note that God did not dump this endless supply of food at their feet and say, hey, you guys should be good. Let me know if I forgot anything. I'm going to run out to Costco and get whatever I missed. No, God chose to use his provision to prove his presence. It's a lot of alliteration for you, but I know some of you like it. God chose to use his provision in the morning and in the evening as opportunities to prove his presence among the people in that dry place, to remind them that he had not forsaken them, that he had not left them. Each morning when the people woke up and they went outside to collect the manna, they would be reminded of God's provision and his presence and how he had delivered them from Egypt. And even though it it must have been a pain every single day to go out and collect food, God always provided. He made a promise and he stuck to it. God always provided. And in doing so, he proved to them that he was present, that he had not forsaken them in the dry place of the desert. For you and I, we know that following God will not always be easy, that that obeying him and remaining faithful to God, it will not always be easy. We will go through dry places when life is difficult and God feels distant, but we need to remember that even though following the plans and purposes that God has for us, while it might be painful, God will always provide. So place your trust in him. Rely on him each and every day. Allow his provision to prove his presence in your life. This week, ask yourself, how is God using this dry place, this season in my life to prepare me for my purpose. What is God doing in this moment? While the season might be painful, it is a time of preparation. God is preparing you to step into the plans and the purposes that he has for you. I believe that God has made promises to you in scripture that he will keep. And God uses these times in our life to prepare us for these promises. You see, God, the God that we worship, is a living and an active God. He's not a God that just sits idly by and sees life play out before him. He is a God that is deeply invested. He is a God that is relational, that that cares for us, for, for the innermost parts of our lives. God wants the best for you. We believe that God wants to see you live a thriving life, a life of obedience to him. So I ask you again, what is God teaching you? 
in this dry place, in this dry season? Is he teaching you to listen? Remember, if you want to be led by God, you need to be willing to listen to God. So what is he saying? Where is he leading you? Is God teaching you to stop complaining and and blaming? Maybe you have found yourself grumbling a little more recently. Remember, don't complain about the things that only you can control. Only you are responsible for your relationship with God. You will never stand before God and give an account of somebody else's relationship with God. So don't allow your complaining and your blaming come between you and the things that God has for you. Is God teaching you to rely solely on him to provide, especially When things get painful, are you relying on God to provide for your every need? This can be a really challenging thing, especially when it gets real. When all of a sudden you're not sure how you're going to pay your bills. When all of a sudden the fridge is looking real empty. When all of a sudden you're not sure where you're supposed to move next month when your lease is up. It can be really easy to say, trust in God to provide when you don't really have much going on. Remember, captivity is comfortable. When you're just kind of held captive by the things of life and you've tuned out what God is trying to say to you, life is honestly kind of easy. But when you step out, when you take a step of faith following the plans and the purposes that God has for you, It can be a real test of faith to continue to trust in him to provide, especially when things get tough. So may we be a church, may Thrive City Church be a church that lives out these truths. Let me tell you, the past year and a half has certainly felt like a dry place. There have been times when God has felt distant and things have gotten really difficult. I'm just being honest. For example, when COVID hit a little more than a year ago, I had no idea how that was going to impact the launch of Thrive City Church. And as we realized that things were going to take a lot longer than we thought to open back up, we were blessed to find this incredible studio space, which enabled us to at least launch these digital worship experiences, to launch online. However, even after experiencing such a great move of God in which he provided so much for our church, my gratitude quickly turned into grumbling. And I entered into this, this dry place where I started thinking, man, I wish, I wish that we were able to do more. God, where are you? And I started to complain, even though I had just seen God provide in so many amazing ways. So as we move forward, as we get ready to enter into the next season of life for our church, as we prepare to launch in-person gatherings, 
May we not lose sight of God's goodness, the things that he has done, the way, the way that he has led our church thus far. May we not let our gratitude turn back into grumbling. May we trust in him daily. May we listen for his leading. May we trust in him to provide as he leads us towards the things that he has promised. And let me pray for you as we close this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person who has joined us today. I thank you for the things that you have prepared for their lives. God, we know that you are a God who does great things. We ask this morning that you would not let our gratitude for your goodness to turn into grumbling. We ask that you would use the seasons of life that can be really difficult, these dry places. We ask that you would use them as times of preparation, that you would prepare us for the purposes that you have for us. Jesus, we want to be a people that are available, that are willing to, to, to be used, to be changed, to be shaped and molded, to be the people that you want us to be. Jesus, we want to be a people that is on mission for you, that is a, a, a church that is on mission with you. So God, do a work within our church. Change us, shape us, uh, prepare us. God, we know that you will provide for us. We thank you for the things that you are doing in our lives, even now. God, we thank you. We praise you and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. We want to empower you to take the next step towards a thriving life with Jesus. If you're looking to get more connected, head over to our website, thrivecity.church connect. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and we would love to connect with you. 